Get Into Geek and welcome back to DC TV. My name is Mitch, riding solo today. Uh, look, any long time Get Into Geek listeners will know it's, well, it's been a long time since we discussed any of the DC TV shows here on the podcast and those episodes were a three-person team, myself, Terry and Ben, but the other two slowly fell off the wagon due to a combination of both falling behind watching and just a general dislike of the show's in the end. Look, while I remain a fan enough of these shows, or maybe I'm just some kind of weird completionist, I never really wanted to do a solo podcast talking about these shows week to week. I, I much prefer the general conversation, or even where these shows are concerned, a clash of opinions from a podcast with at least one other person. But enough of you guys out there, and thank you for doing it, wrote in wanting some form of DCTV back, and I figured, hey, the new year is here, bringing new seasons for all of the shows. What better time to jump back on board the DC TV podcasting? Now, we do have the return of The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, as well as the debut of Superman and Lois, on top of everything else outside the Arrowverse all to come. But the first cab off the rank is Batwoman. And those episodes will be the only DC TV content for the first couple of weeks so the podcast can get off, hopefully, to a bit of an easy start. Now, as I said on DC TV years ago with Ben and Terry, my main concern about those podcasts was that the more we grew frustrated with the shows, our episodes became more and more like lists of things we just didn't like. And that's not my intent here, but I'm not promising I'm not going to say anything negative. I just want to be talking about the show, so we'll see what happens. Let's get into it. DC TV 2021 with the premiere of Season 2 of Batwoman. Yes, back for its sophomore season, but for the first time in the expanded Arrowverse, Batwoman, it's doing so without its lead actor, at least the one we got used to. But before we actually get into the comeback episode, I do want to go back to last season for a bit. And you probably remember, not long after, and I mean really not that long like we're just about to drop the finale you keep quiet until after it premieres type of time after the final episode ruby rose announces she's not going to be returning for season two now i was never blown away by ruby as kate kane but she was batwoman for that show so losing her after just one season is a bit of a letdown i was even less excited though about the news that the show was going to create a brand new character to wear the batsuit rather than just replace Ruby Rose altogether. It seemed, and it still seems, like such a strange idea. So much of Batwoman as a show and as a story revolved and still kind of revolves around Kate being who she was. Kate is Bruce Wayne's cousin, which gives her an in with his company, his assets, and his privileges. Kate also, therefore, is Batman's cousin, giving her access to his vast array of technology, there's gadgets, and having Luke Fox around to help out. Kate's father is the head of the Crows, the alternative to the Gotham City Police Department, created so that vigilantes no longer need exist. And Jacob Kane is no fan of Batwoman, all the while trying to mend and maintain his relationship with that very daughter. And surviving Big Bad Alice is Kate's twin sister. And so much of Alice's actions were due to Kate being her sister. If they were going to replace the character of Kate Kane rather than the actress who played her, they were just going to have to make her fit into the mould of Kate within her multiple unique relationships with the rest of the cast. 
and therefore kind of making the whole recasting thing redundant or basically change the entire nature of the show in how the new Batwoman fits into that established world and that ongoing story. The showrunners announced very quickly that they wanted the new Batwoman to, like Kate, be a member of the LGBT community. And further, they even wanted the actress who played the new character to also be a member of the LGBT community, like Ruby Rose. It sounded so much like they were just trying to replicate nearly everything about the character, except her name. And I agree, Batwoman being gay is an important difference to the rest of the Arrowverse leads, and even about certain tweaks they can apply to storylines. So why not keep Kate Kane, but find a new actress? Maybe the producers saw the opportunity to cast a black lead. I don't know. Look, I, yeah, okay, there is Black Lightning. But aside from the Crisis crossover, that show's never really been part of the family, so to speak. I'm just talking pure Arrowverse TV shows here. And again, it's a positive move for diversity within the Arrowverse overall. But Batwoman has already been doing that better than most anyway. But... On the actual episode, enough of that, Yvissia Leslie, pretty solid as the soon-to-be new lead, and her character, Ryan Wilder, is fine. I don't say that in a condescending manner. I mean, it's just that she isn't really given a lot to do in her debut episode, which is really weird. Having said that, whenever she is on screen, the writers try to squeeze in as much as possible. Pre-credits alone, we get Ryan's introduction, a plane crash, Ryan's discovery of the Batsuit, the audience's realisation that Kate was on that plane that crashed, and flashbacks to an obviously key moment in Ryan's past. The show definitely needed to get right to telling the story of why Kate Kane was no longer in the show, but Ryan's flashbacks just felt so forced. As an audience, we don't have any context around why the current events were such a trigger for her. And while we do get a payoff at the end of the episode, and we'll be talking about that, getting flashbacks barely a minute into a new lead character's first episode is way too soon. But this episode is titled, What Happened? to Kate Kane. Where has she gone? Enough reveals in the ongoing episode place it mere days, if that, after the season one finale. The previously on reminds the audience of the kryptonite ring that Kara gave Kate back in Crisis, and it being the only substance on planet capable of piercing the Batsuit. But then we learn that Kate was only on that plane that crashed because she had flown to National City to meet with Kara. And she didn't even take the ring with her. Kate had only flown to National City to ask Kara if she was allowed to destroy the ring. Now, I know this whole connected franchise is wrought with holes as far as the superhero powers is concerned. But seriously, though, like, why doesn't Kate just call Kara and say, hey, you're Supergirl, can you possibly fly here in, oh, I don't know, um, three seconds so that I could ask you a really important question? No, of course not, because the show needs a very loose reason to put Kate on that plane, a reason that then, without much of a stretch, gives the episode a second half storyline. One big step for the show was made at the end of last season. They cast Bruce Wayne, guys! Okay, not the real Bruce Wayne, but his real face at least. The Arrowverse has taken years to mention any of the big three. Superman so far has only been a supporting character anyway, but we've never seen Bruce Wayne or Batman until now. It's exciting. Or is it? Of course, it's Tommy Elliott. The world doesn't know that, though. It's not the real Bruce Wayne. And as we know from the first season, and half of the reason that Kate even put the Batsuit on in the first place, both Bruce Wayne and Batman have been MIA for nearly five years. But whether this Bruce Wayne is the richest man in the world or is as eligible of a bachelor, he's clearly still a big deal. 
but nobody gives two shits about the fact that he is back. Now, granted, much of the episode, he's either in private or speaking with people that know that Bruce is Batman, but he also goes to see Commander Kane, his uncle. So everyone around, between him getting out of his car, walking through the building, all the way to the top, through the rest of the Crow headquarters to Commander Kane's office, have seen Bruce Wayne in the flesh. And then there's the two women, of course, that were in his bed, one of whom ended up dead. And while they could have been some type of sex worker who came to the house, you would think that Tommy Elliot, hush, being Bruce Wayne, would love to feel the power of that, of going somewhere probably very popular, crowded, public, and being able to, for lack of a better word, choose any woman he laid eyes on simply by having the power of being Bruce Wayne. And you're telling me nobody noticed enough that the newspaper or any type of media reports on him being back? Obviously, come the end of the episode, Ryan Wilder's Batwoman beats Tommy Elliott's Bruce Wayne in a fight, and the following exposition tells us that he's been taken back to Arkham or wherever he's been imprisoned. So probably not going to hear much more about that, at least for a little while. Before that, though, Elliot wasted no time as Bruce Wayne. He used Bruce's friendships, his legacy, his charm. He walks right back into Wayne Enterprises, checks in with Luke Fox, asks for the kryptonite ring, and even gets entry into the Batcave, like all in the space of like two minutes. And with that, it gives us something we haven't seen in Batwoman. The Batmobile. And holy shit, what a letdown. Look, I understand there are budgetary restrictions where these TV shows are compared to the movies. And that if they wanted to have the Batmobile in action, even for just this episode, they were going to have to go with something a little more practical, maybe not as showy. But I'd argue some fans out there have more Batmobile-looking cars than the Arrowverse Batman apparently does himself. I have no idea what kind of car they used in the shot. I'm not a car guy. But the thing even looked too small for a Batman to fit in it. And the brief look we get inside the car makes it seem like every other car that any normal person would drive. Now, I'm not saying it has to look like Burton's made-for-cartoons-and-toys Batmobile or Nolan's bulky tank or, hell, even Snyder's slightly trimmed-down one. But there are exactly zero features about this car other than it being black that could even closely resemble a Batmobile. The windows are even frameless. It looks ridiculous. The f***ing thing even had a spoiler. Look, okay, I'm sorry. I, I know that Batman has had his fair share of wings and fins on his cars, but a spoiler... He's not some early 2000s street racer, although I guess when we do the math about when he started to become Batman in this world, it's going back to, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago. So maybe he liked that look and he just never wanted to let go of it. Look, okay, despite what I said earlier, I'm not just here to point out negative aspects of the episode or the show overall, but this show is trying so hard to move on so quickly from what it was to what it needs to be now that Ruby Rose has left. And it just, it just feels like it's trying to do so much, too much, in one episode. And that means that the story is full of scenes and character meetings that just don't make a lot of sense. Three come to mind. The first, Luke and Mary. They're tracking, well, at least who they think to be, the missing Kate via the signal in the Batsuit, only for them to discover it's actually some stranger wearing it. They find Ryan in a sewer or some kind of tunnel system underground. We have no context, mind you, around where she's going or where she's come from. She's just in the tunnels because reasons. And considering the only time prior to this that we've even seen her wear the Batsuit, she had little to no idea how to use it. 
But come time for her to make her escape from Luke and Mary, she really knows how to use that thing. And it's a very sexy, bat-looking escape. Like, absolutely crushed it. The second comes as the first half of the episode's big in-world reveal. Kate's identity as Batwoman. Now, mainly referring to her father finding out when Commander Kane, following that very brief and convenient tip-off from Tommy Elliot posing as Bruce Wayne, enters Wayne Manor in search of Alice. Now, Elliot's tip came with only one warning. Don't let her know that it was me. Nothing to do with going in alone to avoid suspicion. So why then does Commander Kane go to track down one of the city's most wanted criminals, murderers, like mob leaders, essentially, like she's got a whole crime ring that she is the boss of, personally killed a bunch of people and cops and attempted murders of other people, and he goes in by himself. Basically, because the show needed to have Alice, a.k.a. Beth, a.k.a. Commander Kane's daughter, reveal to him in private that his daughter Kate was, in fact, the vigilante Batwoman that he'd been hunting. There is no way that Kane goes in by himself. Like, I don't even understand how that makes it into the script, let alone them actually shooting it and being edited and going, yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Past episodes in season one have proven he wouldn't go in by himself. The show needed Alice, though, to make that reveal and for Kane to hear it. And while Ruby Rose's exit and the showrunner's decision to create a new character and not recast means that this reveal to Kane had to come in a way at least like this and maybe feel a little anticlimactic with no real consequences, I actually didn't mind the one-on-one exchange, strangely. The third's basically forgivable because it happens so much, even if not just this show, but in the franchise overall, and really any show like it. We see a mysterious note right at the end of the episode, falling down ever so perfectly from the surface through the drain pipe to the sewers, back in the sewers, guys, where Alice just happens to be walking at that exact moment. Oh, it's poetic. Now, obviously, then we read the note and it says, you know, you're welcome from Sophia. Now we're even. It's pretty clear that even if the note wasn't dropped by this Sophia herself, it's one of her minions, and I guess we're basically just to assume they're like ninjas, so the mystery drop is, I guess, their MO. Hey, on the sewers, um, that actually just takes me back. The meeting between Mary, Luke, and Ryan as Batwoman, Mary and Luke were worried about Kate possibly being dead, but they get down there, and they give up her secret identity so quickly. They're talking about Batwoman. Why are you wearing her suit? Wait until Kate's back. Where is Kate? Kate Kane was Batwoman. Where is Kate Kane? Like, there's absolutely no protection of the identity. Obviously, you'd much rather worry about the person than the secret, but it was a very quick decision when they knew that she was alive at that point. Possibly the biggest example of one problem came in this scene. Whenever Ryan Wilder's character is on screen... The show's trying so hard to give you as much of her and her background and context within the story to catch up on, but it just it just felt so forced. Sci-fi is known for it, but really any fiction is great when it finds itself building off of real-world events and how they're able to, to craft that into their own narrative. On Get Into Geek, one of our other podcasts, we talk Marvel TV. Uh, Maddie and myself talk about the X-Men series, The Gifted. That show, at, at least for us, it does so well in applying racial undertones to the world of super-powered mutants. Here in the sewer, an angry Luke asks the mysterious woman in front of him who she was, and her answer was not a name, but statistics as an orphan black child and the innocent victim of a corrupt system. Trust me, I know I'm not a symbol. Or a name, or a legacy. Exactly, so why do you think you're worthy of wearing it? Because I'm a number. 
I am the 327th baby of a black woman who died during childbirth that year. I'm a $20 a day check to a group home. I'm inmate 4075 serving 18 months for a crime I didn't commit. But I can live with all those numbers because to mama who adopted me, I was her number one. But it turns out she's just one of a quarter million murders in this country who have not seen justice. And that is a number I can't live with. Don't get me wrong, they're all great points and important character motivations, but the writing underserves the message when we could have had breadcrumbs dropped about all of that stuff among probably multiple episodes instead of becoming just a few lines delivered in one monologue in one single out-of-context scene. And then the second half of that big reveal comes when Sophie, Kate's long-time forbidden love, also finds out that Kate was Batwoman through a never-before-even-hinted-the-possibility-of-existing-just-in-case letter. Now, to give context to the flashback from the first 60 seconds of the episode, we find out that, you know, seconds after Ryan and her mother go to enter their, their new house, they're building a new life, the landlord opens the door, that's where Alice's crew have been staying because it's been empty, and they're all either killed, or in Ryan's case, there's an attempted murder put on her. And she hates Alice because Alice is in charge of those people. Now, that, I guess, makes sense, but... We saw a very different side to Alice at the same time. Alice breaks into that room, sees her little minions kicking the hell out of Ryan on the ground, her mother and the landlord presumably dead already. Alice is fuming. What are you doing? We need to get out of here. I want to argue that any Alice we've seen in any other episode of Batwoman so far would have at least had them finish off the job, if not went over there and in some kind of like, you know, cutesy, poetic way and rhymey-timey way of talking, would have actually done it herself. But no, we need Ryan to have a motivation to kill Alice, even though Alice played no part in the murder of her mother and the landlord in the room in her attempted murder. But because she's the boss, well, she needs to be the target. Again, that was where we were always going. We always were going to get to a stage where Ryan was going to need to go after Alice because Alice is our big bad. But it just was like, a, hey, we need to get A and B to meet and let's just close the gap between the two. Let's not try and stretch this out. It's just too convenient, maybe. Again, so much of this episode was quickly trying to establish that Kate is gone and her secret identity is over for those closest to her. So why not definitively kill her? The easy assumption is just that the show is leaving the door open for a potential Ruby Rose comeback. But based on the speed and timing of her exit announcement last year and the ambiguity of why, you'd think that a return would be completely off the table. And if they wanted to simply keep the door open for Kate Kane to come back, why not just recast and avoid the problem altogether? Look, in the end, despite how I might have sounded for the last 20-odd minutes... This episode is no monstrosity or a far cry from some high standard that Batwoman's first season set. I did actually like Luke's realisation that he had not only been close to, but talked with and even helped his father's killer into the Batcave. And Mary seems to be taking a more hands-on role within the show, which I'm actually keen to see more of. She started season one as the annoying, very one-dimensional stepsister, but slowly revealed herself to be more. It's just that Rose's exit clearly created some massive problems the show just 
did not and could not anticipate or plan for in the Season 1 finale. And rather than risk taking the long run of slowly phasing out of Kate Kane and into Ryan Wilder, this episode of Batwoman, and hopefully not Season 2 as a whole, attempts to do both at the same time and as quickly as possible. Ultimately, it tries to do so much, it actually forgets to do enough. I don't know if that's a good line, but it seemed to make sense. Anyway, that is a rambling way of talking about Batwoman Episode 1 of Season 2. I was just really looking forward to this episode. I didn't mind watching Season 1. Like I said, I'm enough of a fan of these shows that I haven't given up, but I just don't know whether I'm a bit of a sucker for punishment, as Maddie in a Marvel TV podcast likes to tell me. Whatever the case may be, I'm back, I'm watching it, and I thought, what the hell, let's get behind a mic, let's talk about it on the podcast. So by all means, guys, join me on the show. We might not be able to sit in the same studio and talk about the show one-on-one. Send us a message, getintogeek at gmail.com. Hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Slide into our DMs, drop us a question about this episode, about the next couple of episodes. Let's talk about it together. We've got Batwoman to look forward to for the next at least three podcasts, I think, that I've worked out. And then we're going to get into a big premiere, Superman and Lois. For what? The first time in 20 years, Superman is coming back to TV. I know we had Smallville, but that's more Clark Kent. Like, as soon as he became Superman, it cut to black. So I'm talking Lois and Clark days. Now we're getting Superman and Lois. And to be honest, I think the trailers actually look pretty cool. They've got got a bit of a Man of Steel sort of vibe, you know, those sort of dark colors, and it's all about who he is as a person, how he relates to the world, but also making him a family man, and he's got two teenage sons, and they don't know his identity, and he's moving back to Smallville, and it's trying to stay low-key and be a, a human while being a god. So it sounds like it could be a very cool Superman story. If you hate these sort of shows, I don't know why you even listen to this podcast, but if you hate these shows, you probably think you're going to butcher it. If you love these shows, or at least you watch them, you're hoping for the best. So, Batwoman for the next couple of weeks. Get those questions coming in, and then we're going to start talking about Superman in Lois in a couple of podcast time. Until next week, where we're going to talk episode two of season two of Batwoman. Catch you then. Get into geek.